Marissa Mosley is the women's basketball coach at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, and she joined us on Sport and the Growing Good. Coach Mosley has a tremendous background in coaching, having served as the head coach at Boston University and as an assistant coach at a few other stops, including at the University of Connecticut, where she coached some of the greatest players in history and alongside one of the top coaches in history and Coach Ariema. And so in today's conversation, she was able to share about some of her own experiences, both as a player and as a younger coach, learning the ropes of the profession and learning how to become a leader and learning how her own system would take shape. She told some really interesting stories about coaches she's learned from and how she's learned to develop her own style of play and an identifiable style of play for her Wisconsin program. One other thing I thought was especially interesting from Coach Mosley was her discussion of the principles that guide her program and how those principles are literally on the wall in the practice gym and how she regularly refers to those principles throughout practice and throughout their season and how each player takes an active role in living out those principles. So thank you, Coach Mosley, for joining us on Sport and the Growing Good. So, well, Marissa, first thing I want to ask you about is this term bell cow, and it's one we've come to use in our program a bit, which um, a couple of years ago we were embedded with the with Coach Christ and the football team, mm-hmm. and he has this idea of, it's like a metaphor of the bell cow, which is, if you look at a herd of cows, this is coming from someone who knows nothing about cows, so <laughs> I may botch it a little, but... That's okay, I don't either, so no If worries. you look at a herd of cows, that they naturally kind of um, congregate around certain ones. Certain cows emerge as leaders. They're like really social animals. And that farmers, years and years ago, if they wanted to try to find the herd, they would just go find the lead cow, and then everyone else, they'd find all of them because mm. they were around them. And so they would put a bell around that cow, they could hear it, and if they could hear that cow, they could find the rest of the herd. So the in a sports setting, you could use that metaphor to say that there are certain people that we naturally gravitate toward, that we follow, and we watch them, we observe them, we admire them, we learn from them. And I think it's a neat metaphor just because <clears throat> there's choice from the follower. Like if you have a a captain that you say you have to follow that captain well maybe I don't resonate with that captain mm-hmm. but there's a choice thing that I really admire that person I want to learn from that person so it's a long build up for me to ask if you've had bell cows in your kind of coaching trajectory people you look to and admire and learn from yeah absolutely so I think um, you know my first one would be um, my college coach um only because i think that's where i first kind of you got exposed to coaching obviously when you're growing up and i played cyo and i played catholic youth league for mm. those yeah. and or catholic youth organization um and i'm not catholic but yeah. we just um played in it it was just kind of available um and you know you had these coaches but some were parents mm-hmm. some you know a dad who was just kind of like hanging around that day or whatever so um it it became 
my college coach who really showed me kind of what it was to bring a group of people together from all different walks of life, um, kind of the discipline piece of it. I never forget, like she told me like, after, I think it was after my sophomore year, like you need to grow up <laughs> and it like literally resonated with me to this day about like the maturity piece. And I wasn't even like, I think I was just joking around and it was in a meeting with the group and she pulled me to the side after and was like, I want to see you in my office after and you need to grow up. And it was just like this moment of, you know, pivotal change of like, okay, this is how somebody can really influence. And she knew that I could be a leader, but in order to do that, I had to be more mature. Were you goofing around or what was yeah she I was goofing around like she would always say like what's up bud to us so then I was like what's up bud to her and she was like it, I'm not bud it's coach McKeon and I was like oh, okay and she was like and I need to see you after this meeting and it was just like this moment where I was like time and place like mm-hmm. understanding you know I'd like to have a good time but then you know there's times where that's not appropriate mm-hmm. and you know I, I think I learned a lot in that very small kind of example mm-hmm. um and so from her that was called my initial and then um coach Ariamo is somebody who you know i think you're aware of this success but i was fortunate enough to then be under his tutelage for nine years and so to be able to like a, a lot of people gravitate towards it we had tons of people coming to practice and i had access um you know kind of um, unfettered access to him right i could just go in the office or we'd be on a road on the road recruiting and i could ask him questions and um you know it was just a really great um opportunity for me to see how to teach people and how to mentor people and how to also give people the autonomy to do their jobs really well and so it was really fantastic uh, one who i've never met but i just have admired from afar um, is jay wright um and in fact, we, we've implemented some of his footwork stuff into our, our warm-up. I mean, you watch his teams, they're so fundamentally sound. Um, they are great passers and they play the game in such a beautiful way. It's very much different than a lot of ways other people play. And I just was always really much um, an admirer of the way that he coaches and teaches. And so um, I think that's another kind of bell cow for me. Um, and then the last one I think would be um, John Thompson, I you know I read his book. Um, I came as a shadow. Actually, ironically, one of the kids that I recruited at BU, her dad wrote the book, uh, Jesse Washington, and um, I didn't get to coach her because it was the year I came here. But she's still a student athlete at BU, and um, you know I bought it before it was you know kind of on Amazon mm-hmm. before it came out mm-hmm. just to support. And then when I got it, I couldn't put it down, and um, it's just uh, how how he trans uh, trans transcended you know the game how he um was uh, unapologetically black how he um led and how he um made sure that young men young black men were at an institution like georgetown and um to make sure that they were authentically themselves and he was authentically himself and and successful at the same time i just that was a huge influence for me and continues to be so some of those were like proximity you played for a coach so you're clearly going to learn for that coach mm-hmm. um coach Ariama sought you out to hire you mm-hmm. after, after you had been coaching elsewhere um and then you mentioned coach Wright. you mentioned technical stuff mm-hmm. footwork the stuff he does and then coach thompson kind of broader life stuff mm-hmm. did you seek them out purposely like i'm looking for technical stuff i need to find someone i admire or was it just kind of in scanning the field using the coach Wright example 
Yeah. How did you go about finding him as a model, as an example? Well, so I think just over time of watching, um, you know, obviously um, we were actually at the, uh, when you win a national championship, uh, when the team wins a national championship, there is the uh, New York Athletic Club has the winged foot dinner in New York City every year. And so we were there at the same time um, as Villanova one year. And um, so I got to kind of, um, you know, I had watched them obviously play throughout the, um, the tournament and um, his team, you know, primarily was really, really good. Um, but then to hear him speak and hear other people speak about him, um, it kind of gave me a little bit more of an inside look. Um, and then Coach Ariama, he's a Philly guy, he's a Philly guy. So then they, there's all this like connection of Philly people. So you're just a little bit more exposed to that. Um, and then actually he kind of um, attire, retired abruptly, yeah. <laughs> you know, this past spring. And um, Championship Productions is a video kind yeah. of service or whatever for coaches. And so they did like a special of like all his coaching videos. And so I was like, ah, this is kind of perfect. This is the time of year where I really kind of try to dive yeah. in and get some more information. And so um, it all kind of aligned. And so I guess I did seek it out, but I, it was around. And then I went to find the specific examples to learn how to teach it. How do you decipher when looking at a model what works for you and what doesn't? Because you are you you're, yeah. you're a different person from each of them and how have you done that systematically yeah no i think that's an excellent question and something that one of my assistants scott mary actually challenged me on this year because it was like what's our style um what is uh what do we want to be known for and it really put me in a position to have to self-reflect um, you know, I took over two different programs as a head coach, uh, as an assistant, you are what your head coach is, you know, but as a, um, a head coach now you have to kind of, and I knew philosophically who I was as a person, as a mentor, as a leader, I knew, I knew, I felt very comfortable with that. Um, I, I felt really confident that I was a really good teacher of the game, but what our style was, I had uh, realized that both at Boston and when I took over at Wisconsin, I took over teams that, you know, admittedly hadn't been that good for several years. And so I was inheriting a level of talent that I had to figure out how to manufacture points with what we had. Like it wasn't all of a sudden, I didn't go out and, um, you know, scoop up all these people in transfer portal. I wasn't trying to get a quick fix. I knew that in order to build long term, you had to really kind of put the, the pieces together. And at the same time, I wanted to make sure that we had success then. Like when we got, I wanted to make sure that we, and what success was, I wasn't sure exactly how we were going to define that. I knew culture was going to be important, but also people want to win. I want to win. I've been part of a lot of winning. And so I went through that process, and then after last year, it was like, well, if we're going to continue to recruit, which we need to, I need to make sure that we're recruiting to a style that I'm comfortable with, that's who I was as a teacher. And so um, over the course of the spring um, and prior to summer, we had a, a coaches retreat. I had sought out some different styles that I really felt comfortable with, and not that I was going to like abandon everything that I had learned at Connecticut or Minnesota or Denver, or that I you know brought to BU, but that more I needed to evolve to who Marissa Mosley was as a coach and how my teams were going to, to play. And so um, we, we looked at what we had, because again, I can't just mm -hmm. insert, or I don't feel like I can just make a system and I don't have the people to do right. it, right? right? And so we looked at what we had and then 
um, had been watching quite a bit of the NBA and the Warriors stuff and the Heat. Uh, one of my really dear friends is the head coach for um, the Magic, and so he and I kind of met on Zoom. We're talking through some different things, um, and I really kind of started to tinker with some of the stuff they did, but then made a little bit more structured so that it could work for us. And we had a phenomenal summer because I felt I felt really confident in what I was teaching. Our kids then absorbed that, and and we had the, the the pieces to do it, and it really felt like it started to click. So when you say style, you mean literally the way you play, mm-hmm. like type of system. So if I watch the, the Warriors, I see a lot of motion, mm-hmm. a lot of people touching the ball. Yes, but is it? broader than that so you said that affects your style then trickles down to who you want to recruit yes and then does it also um, relate to how you relate to each other yes and you mentioned culture as well yeah so for sure so for me it's one it's you know I love passing I think you know it's a beautiful part of the game um, I love sharing the ball and we always talk about like if you're open and, and that's your shot take it but if somebody's more open then you need to pass there you can come sit next to me on the bench because like we are going to be an unselfish team um, I like seeing I, I constantly preach in our culture like we want to get excited for other people's success so even if you weren't the person who made the shot but you could have potentially had set the screen or made the extra pass or you know tipped a ball on an offensive rebound or whatever we, you were a part of that success and we should all be excited for that success success um, and then when you talk about like the actual movement um, of, and the ability of those people to do that so can we isolate in the post at times yes but we you know positionless kind of how the Warriors did it so like sometimes they have a, a point guard in the post and sometimes they have a, a big guy like it doesn't matter which makes it a lot harder to scout you because it's not like she goes here and she goes here and this and, and so I loved that concept and so now when we're recruiting we want more versatile players who can do a lot of those things but also have you know you know unique skills but within the confines of what we're doing and it was really cool because we had recruits come while we were in summer session and had their families say I now know and these were some were 25s and some were 24s and 23s I now know why you want to recruit my daughter because I can see how she fits into what you're doing Mm -hmm. to me that's like a huge testament to okay so this is this is all coming together it's making sense this is our style she fits into our style there's other kids that were out there that don't mm-hmm. we're we're kind of uh, establishing exactly who we want to be so there's style how you play their style you said things like being excited for each other mm-hmm. sharing the ball if someone were to like do a documentary behind the scenes on your team yeah. say for a season what would they see that indicated your culture of your team, what 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 would, what would be some examples of the behaviors on the court, but then even more off the court behind yeah. the scenes? Well, one, I hope when as soon as they walk in, um, they notice that this is a, a loud gym. You know, there is a lot of communication from the minute that we walk in. I'm loud. I'm excited for them. The minute I walk in, I feel really strongly that they're going to feed off my energy. So if I come in like a lump on a log, then they're going to feel the same way. So from the moment I'm walking in the gym, I'm saying, you know, hi to them. I'm maybe doing a little dance. I'm doing something to have them match my energy. Um, I talk to them about I don't do moody and you have a choice every day when you wake up of how you're going to um, kind of interact with the world. Like nobody was born moody. You just decide that you're going to be like that. And so you can also decide that I'm going to have a great day. 
And so you're, these are learned behaviors, so we're teaching that in our culture. Um, we're teaching that, you know, they're interacting with each other. There's no phones in our gyms. Like, they're speaking to one another. You leave all of that. We try to talk about checking your personal stuff at the door. Now, at the same time, I want, we have an open line of communication. So if they're having a day, that's why I say to them, hey, just come over to myself or one of our coaches. I'm having a day. You might not necessarily have to go into what the, what it is then we can adapt and adjust to how we're coaching you on that day so that otherwise if we don't know you're having a day and you're just moping around we're going to probably get on you a little bit more because that's not who we are and how we carry ourselves um you know if somebody falls down on the ground you're going to see my team run over. everyone's going to run over and help them up we don't walk anywhere you know you constantly hear like we don't walk anywhere run to get water you run back there's a like an efficiency and a pace and um, an energy at practice all the time and we hope that that kind of sense of urgency and that intentionality tr translates to the classroom, translates to how they carry themselves out into the world. This concept of zeal, we talk about a lot mm. in our program, which is like passion, enthusiasm, like it's, it's related to a lot of other terms like grit and that, but I don't know if you've observed this. One thing I, I often like, especially like at the beginning of a season with a lot of teams, there's almost like a, uh, a surface level enthusiasm mm -hmm. that is there at the beginning of the season. It's there when things are going well. Yep. And the, and I think it's authentic, but sometimes it's not. Like mm -hmm. you're asking someone to be something that they're not. Yep. I, I used to feel this when I played football, which was like, you know, all these like emotional speeches. Yeah. I, half of me, I was like, come on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> How do you maintain like authentic enthusiasm, authentic zeal yeah. throughout the ups and downs of a season? So, so funny, um, we actually just had a, um, a meeting like halfway through summer sessions or the eight week summer session, about week four or five. And um, I was talking about how our communication isn't where it needs to be. Um, the energy in the gym wasn't where it needs to be. And we have so many new faces and um, and people who are having to, um, you know, the, the Greg Popovich has this um, kind of motto with the Spurs that when you come here, you don't change us, we change you. And I love that and I've adopted that also. So like you have to make sure that when you become a Badger, this is the way that we do this. This is this is who we are and we really worked hard to establish that, that last year so that our returners can also um, be the people who are instilling that and reinforcing that even when the coach isn't around. So it was interesting because we had a freshman raise her hand and was like, I just don't understand like why, like it's just, you know, we're cheering for like stretching, like we're trying to like, oh, good job, so-and-so, whatever. So I'm sitting there and I'm like starting, steam is starting to come out of my ears because I'm like, it's clear to me, you don't understand what we're actually trying to accomplish here. And, um, and then I had a couple other kids chime in. Yeah, you know, sometimes you just have to fake it and whatever. And it's just, it is it is weird, but like, you know, whatever. I don't get it either. And so I let them talk and then I said, let me explain something to you. You all need to grow up, which is funny because it's like this yeah, full circle yeah, moment, yeah. you know? Um, and I said, because um, I have coached some of the best players to ever play the game and if cheering and getting excited for each other and being um you know invested in what we're doing was good enough for them it's good enough for you mm -hmm. and they won championships and they're olympians and they and this was part of establishing who we are 
and this is what we're going to do. So when we go upstairs, we are going to be cheering, we're going to be loud, and you know what? If you have to fake it right now until it becomes authentic, then you will do that. But the point being that those are learned behaviors also, and it is a very, and we are intrinsically selfish people in general, um, but it is a really selfish thing for me to think, I want people to get excited when I do well, but like, I don't, like sometimes I just don't feel like talking. Like, and those are choices. And so we have to teach them that no, when you do it all the time, then it does become authentic because you are genuinely invested in the people that are next to you. And does it look different after you, win four in a row versus when you lose three in a row yeah because human nature right when you're and we we went through that last year right and i could have very easily in those down dips where we're going through a series of losses say like go in and just lose it in the locker room every night and you know kind of berate them or say how you know how much we didn't do this well or that well um but i know that that does not do anything for the uh, positive for the psyche right like i understand that whether i studied psychology or not like you understand like people don't need to be beat down but they do need to know that you are capable more than this and so if i am still giving you an authentic excitement about what we're going to do tomorrow to get better. Now you want to match that. And there is, I think, an authenticity that you feel like you want to return because you see that, hey, even in the moments of this down, she's still giving us like a consistent message, right? Like we are better than this. We we should we we should demand more of ourselves. She is she has a higher expectation of us and therefore we want to match and exceed that. And I tell them, I'm going to set the bar here and the minute you reach that, I'm going to raise it again because that is how we ultimately kind of accomplish what it is that we want to. You mentioned teaching a minute ago that that's one of your strengths. As you reflect back upon like your early days as an assistant coach to now have you improved as a teacher and what are some concrete ways that you've you teach differently now yeah i think one when you're younger you know less right you you think you know a lot but you know less um i i think i've always had a self-awareness where i know what i didn't know or i knew enough to know what i didn't know and at the same time um, the more you're exposed, the more you understand, oh, okay, and this is why. I mean, I vividly remember I was only coaching for four years when I got the assistant job at Connecticut. And, you know, and then I had, I had played for four years. So I'd been in basketball. I was 28 when I got that job. And I was intimidated because now I am going to coach some of the best players in the world. And I'm going to coach Maya Moore and Tina Charles, you know, and I'm like, oh my goodness, <laughs> what am I going to teach them, you know? And coach was great. He's like, Marissa, just relax. It's going to be fine. Like there are things that you can continue to teach them. There are things they have to know. And I had to learn our system there, but I also had to learn the verbiage and I had to learn the cadence and when you spoke and when you didn't speak as far as like helping people learn. Because I think sometimes when people teach and you'll see it in different programs, there are people who will go into a practice and they talk for an hour and a half of the practice, right? And the kids are just standing there. And I know that that is not, that's not who I am and it's also not an effective teaching cue or tool. Um, You know, I learned this year about the learning pyramid and like how in order for the kids that, or anyone to actually have learned, um, you know, there's visual learners and there's auditory learners and there's, doers and then you also have to be able to actually teach it to know that you learned it so we've tried to kind of um, implement some of that kind of learning lab style within our practices 
um, you know, this is a generation, generation Y, and like we always joke, like, because they ask why. <laughs> um, but like, I lean into that. Like, I don't mind you asking questions because if you can ask questions, then you then can understand the why we're doing stuff. So a lot of times we will stop and ask them. Um, and that's something of the evolution for me in teaching is, and why are we doing this? Because not only is that important for me to reinforce that I'm teaching it properly, it's important for them to learn it. It's important for my staff to learn because we are ultimately teachers as head coaches, I feel, and we have to mentor our staff. So they have to learn how to become better teachers too. So I think everybody is learning in that way. Um, and so I think that I've evolved in that way too, where it was a lot more you're talking at them. Um, and now it's more kind of a collaborative type of learning style where it's like you have to be invested in what you're learning and to be able to say, I actually get this as opposed to just here's the information and you can regurgitate it, but you really like know it. This uh, seems like there's a continuum of letting them play through mistakes, like letting them um, figure it out versus holding a high standard. And how do you figure out that? the right spot so like an example of say you're trying to get a player to learn how to um read a screen like how to cut off a screen mm -hmm. like do you curl do you fade do you like what kind of cut do you make and you see her make a mistake when you're you know you're playing like how do you know how much to stop and talk right then versus let her play through it and then circle back the next night that kind of thing i am still learning that because um i think all coaches were control freaks <laughs> uh, to some extent and so um that is something that i've actually like made a concerted effort this year in particular to try to do more um i'm definitely not like expert level of that but just giving them that ability to play through some of the mistakes giving a little bit more freedom them not feeling like oh she's gonna stop me or we're gonna get corrected oh it's not good enough whatever and my you know as a coach once the once you go out there like you lose all control which is the ironic part of coaches being control groups because you don't have control during mm -hmm. games um and at the same time in practice a lot of times when you keep going over things it's so that you feel as a coach that you've done enough to prepare them but like the flip side of that is are do they feel prepared mm -hmm. like you need to find that part out and so i'm trying to and I, i've said this like because i'm very open with my team i'm like look i am trying to like release some of the um the reins for you guys not completely where it's just like chaos but i want you to feel a sense of um a little bit more freedom a little more flow even how we're playing there is ideally I want to teach you how to play like that's always been my kind of um, philosophy that I took from Kojirama it's like we're not going to run teach you how to run plays we're going to teach you how to play and so with that you have to be able to give them more leeway to make mistakes and not do 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 every right, five right, seconds yeah. right um, and at the same time my nature is I want to fix and I want to help so I want to show you right in that moment. Um, so there's times where you do have to let things go. Um, and then there's times where it's like, that's categorically not right. And if the people in front of, or behind you are watching that and then they, they mimic that, then we're going to have to reteach that. So it's like finding that balance and it's a delicate dance for sure. You have your pillars up on the wall mm -hmm. down in the practice gym. Where did you get those? Uh, so we actually, over um, COVID, when I was at Boston, we kind of came up with seven pillars. 
Um, and a lot of people have different like um, philosophies on how many you should have. Like oh, typically three is like the, you know, people can remember three, they can kind of recite them. Pat Summit had the definite dozen. So there's not like a set um, number, but I wanted it to be um, really something that we could hold on to. And I found over time that I didn't even remember them, mm. right? And so I'm like, if I can't remember them, our kids can't remember them. So I was sitting here in the office my first year, like late one night, and I was trying to figure out like a way to make it digestible, to make it, um, you know, rem- you know, memorable. And it came to me like we could do this acronym of WISC. And so for Wisconsin, and so it's winning mindset for the W and integrity for the I and selflessness for the S and then communication for the C. And that those four things were really um, kind of the foundation of who we were. And we felt like if we did those four things, it would lead to our legacy, which is our fifth pillar. And we felt like, and I feel like we want that mean, or we define it as leaving a place better than you found it. And to me, that's how I try to go through life. Any interaction I have, I hope that the person walks away feeling like they're a little bit better and I walk away feeling like I'm a little bit better um, than that moment before I met them. Um, And I want our kids to know when they leave this place after four or five years that they've left it way better than they found it. And so I feel like we established that early on and now they can, they know them, they can recite them, they understand it, and now they try to live it. And that is really what I thought was important to have the foundation. We talk about connectedness a lot in our program, connectedness among players, connectedness between coaches and players, and those will, those connections will look, look different. Um, do you integrate those pillars or principles into the ways you connect? Yeah, absolutely. So I love that idea of connecting this because I think that is ultimately what team sport is. And if you are really, really connected, then you have some of your best teams and your, your you know, your most successful teams because it's just everybody is aligned, right? Um, and so we are constantly um, referencing them. That's why I wanted them hanging in the gym when we're practicing because. Um, you know, there's a, a lot around behavior, right? Your behavior, these are choices. Like, um, we had to teach our kids how to have a winning mindset. Like, the way we define winning mindset is we expect to win in everything that we do. That's on the court, that's off the court, that's a winning mindset when you're in meetings, when you are graduating from here. Like, you have to expect to win. How, what winning looks like, you ultimately are going to find that after this place, but we're trying to show you what it looks like here, on the court and off the court to win. You know, um, integrity, it's like this unshakable moral compass. So when you are making your decisions, out, you are no longer a, um, a singular individual. You are a part of the team. The connectedness piece is every decision you make. So when you go out on a Friday night and you decide to have some adult beverages, whether and especially if you are not of age, which we do not um, condone, but that happens when they're in college, we understand that. Um, we have to make sure that you understand that that decision will have a market um, uh, what's the word? Um, influence or kind of result on your team and yourself the next day. So when you come to practice, if you have, if you're not taking care of business and you made these choices, well, was that like full of integrity that decision that you made? 
and integrity of, you know, you're going to class every day and you're doing your own work and you're being, you know, honest. Like those are, the honesty is such a huge part of who I am and who I want them to become. And selflessness, the we before the me, you know, it's like making sure again that it's not like, well, how, how do I feel today? Mm-hmm. It's like, right, you can feel some kind of way, but you're now connected to this bigger team. It's got to be about the we, like how is everybody else feeling? How do I step outside? We do an exercise around gratitude sometimes, and it'll be random at the beginning or end of practice. And I'll just pick like, Pete, what do you think about so-and-so? And what are you grateful about for them? And then they like, oh, I tell me about what you're grateful about for them. The, the way, the immediate um, shift in people's excitement around hearing what people are grateful about for them. And then conversely, it puts you uh, in a place where you should be paying attention to other people more often because you don't know when I'm gonna pull this out. And I don't, you don't wanna be the person like, um, um, I'm grateful because, no, you have to actually be mindful of your gratefulness. So, you know, and then the communication piece, right? Like a quiet gym is a losing gym, like making sure that they understand that you have to, you owe everybody in our in our um, program a response to text. You owe people eye contact. You owe people um, an explanation if you didn't carry yourself in a way that is, is you know, um, representative of who we are. But it's also you communicate your feelings in a positive way. You communicate when, you know, you're excited for other people's success and there's verbal and nonverbal communication and your body language is really important. So it's all of these different lessons that we feel like are, are again, add to that connectedness. My last question, kind of coming full circle to even before we started recording, we were talking about your value for being a well-rounded person. And even you shared that your dad exposed you to all kinds of things growing up Mm -hmm. to sports, but also all kinds of other things. And so I know that you as a person, you know, obviously you need to win, you care about winning and all of that, but you have bigger aspirations as well. When you think about your deepest aspirations and what you do, what do you think about? For me, when it comes to my team and when it comes to just me as a person, I want, I feel like that I have a responsibility to help people max out and become the best version of themselves. And my team hears me say that all the time. Like every day we're trying to become the best version of ourselves Um, because we know we're imperfectly perfect and that there's always a little bit more that we can do. And each day that we get older, we become a little bit more wiser and then we're able to kind of figure out how we can get better. And when you're building something like we're building here, um, you can actually see the results of that as time goes on if you're doing it the right way. And so for me, that is ultimately, I think, what drives me and what makes me feel like um, I'm in the right place. I'm doing what I what I was put on this earth to do, which is to try to extract from people their best of their best, show them how um, they can become even better, and and then I get to kind of sit back and just marvel at what it is that they become as as young women and as people. Because to me. You know, the relationships that I've been able to develop, the ones that I still have um, from all the years of coaching along the way. It's kind of wild that I'm starting year 18, um, but it's like I still talk to kids from my first Denver team all the way through. And to me, that's a really kind of what it's all about. 